Welcome to the 80th episode of Popcorn Optional, a weekly movies podcast where we talk all things movies. Tonight we're doing a double feature review, you know, with Oscar season. We want to try and get in as many episodes of reviews, whatnot, as we can. So we figured we'd double up tonight before our top 10 films of 2018 review next week. So in order to catch up, we are reviewing Won't You Be My Neighbor and Thunder Road. Uh, the film from Jim Cummings, who, I'm going to be real honest with you, I had not heard of until watching this movie. I know that you and Jake had talked about his short films previously. I don't. I had never seen anything of his. And yeah, Interesting. He, he, came, he came to my attention, and we'll talk a lot about this, just because he, uh, he does a lot of one-take stuff, especially uh, most of his short films are, they range from three minutes to 20-something minutes, and they're almost all one takes um, i like that really cool. i like that i mean this we can go ahead and get into our thunder road discussion because that's all we're doing tonight we could talk space force with uh steve carell and greg daniels coming to netflix but the you know behind. that we're excited we don't have to tell you that right i'm just i want the people to know in case you're not in the know they're doing a show and then uh we figured this just became we'd be a spoken wait. word podcast. Things that make me happy, things that make me feel good inside. <laughs> Words. Um, oh yeah. So uh and then other than that, you know, Spider Man Far From Home trailer, pretty good, pretty good, pretty pretty cool. Um I had a quick theory. I want to run this by you. What if okay. the fat the the snap why can I not the snap? That was weird. The snap. What if the snap that Thanos did? That's why. I, that's what it was. I was trying to think of Thanos and the snap. The, the, snap. the snap. Yeah. What if the I snap actually killed like all the people that you see at the end of the movie? That they're actually like dead. What if it's flipped? Like who we think is dead isn't dead. Mm, okay. Okay. And then so then when they're like no all the people that are dead are actually dead they're being serious and it's the old team because we all know like the old team of avengers the original team this is kind of their last go um the new team will take over after this and so what if they're all actually dead and they're playing out in this like purgatory type place the way you're telling me is that damon lindelof and carlton cuse wrote in game Yes, the film is going to end as Thanos lays down in a forest and it's just going to be a close-up of his eye. (laughs) Exact same ending. Um, Instead of Hurley taking over the island, we'll have the Hulk take over. Uh, There's the very obvious parallel of Sawyer and Iron Man. Uh, You know, you have the whole Kate thing. And Kate was actually played by a character that's now in the MCU, Evangeline Lilly. So and and Jack is clearly Captain America, obviously. Yes. But it, so in this scenario, yeah, it's it's complicated. But I think we could have it play out. <laughs> Who's John Locke? Is John Locke Doctor Strange? I think that's fitting. Yeah, kind of the uh, the kind of uh, outsider, probably a good guy, but kind of crazy. Yeah, this sounds like a really bad BuzzFeed article where it's like, <laughs> find out which Avengers players would be in Lost. <laughs> Oh man, we just created some premium content right there. That's You're welcome, is. BuzzFeed or Screen Rant, whoever else wants to take that. Um, let's talk Thunder Road, not c- 
Copperhead Road, which I initially thought this was about the song. I thought the song Copperhead Road was called Thunder Road. So when the song didn't play throughout the movie, I was like, no, or like in the opening scene when it's the kind of like he tells you what Thunder Road is. I was like, oh, not Copperhead. That song's not called Thunder Road. There's no line dancing in this movie. No, no line dancing. There are cowboy boots. Um, yeah, that's true. Button downs and t-shirts and polos tucked in uh, with belt buckles and Pick, LSU. Pickup yep, pickup trucks. Um, it has all the staples of Copperhead Road, but not the song. <laughs> so uh, a little bit disappointed. It doesn't. It doesn't even have the actually have the song Thunder Road. Ironically enough. Which I think the number one thing we learned from that is is that Bruce Springsteen songs are expensive. I love that. I hadn't even thought of that, but that's such a perfect, like, because I was like, oh man, the song never even plays in there. Um, and then that's that's kind of a perfect understanding of like, oh, on a two hundred thousand dollar budget, a good chunk of that would be taken up by a Bruce Springsteen song. Oh yeah, I bet I bet to use that song prominently in the feature film cost you at least twenty five thousand dollars. At the oh, I would think minimum. even more than that. Yeah, with a big guy like Bruce Springsteen, because I know like I know somebody whose music has been in big TV shows before, and I know how much they got paid for that. And that music wasn't as big as Bruce Springsteen music, and right. I, so I don't know. I I have a feeling it's a lot. But all right, Thunder Road, um, the comedy drama from Jim <laughs> Ooh, Cummings. And it's got both, and it's got it, both. Okay, so that really threw me off. I knew nothing about this movie. Trevor, you texted us two weekends ago, and you were like, "Guys, Thunder Road's really good." And I'm like, "This is odd. A movie I've never heard of." Uh, <laughs> and so I instantly like looked it up, and it was like, "Oh, a comedy." And I, had, I was sitting next to Jake, and he's like, dude, Jim Cummings is so good. And so I'm like, oh, a comedy from a new like indie guy. This is going to be great. Not That really threw me off. Because <laughs> I was expecting like indie comedy, and there were parts of this that I laughed very hard at. And then there were parts of this that I was like, what am I, what am I watching? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this is um, one of the... I'm trying to think. This it's been a long time since I've watched um a feature film that's that was this small budget, um, this kind of level of indie. Um and man, it's so refreshing. It's just like it's just like sometimes I think we forget, I mean, especially the way that we do this this podcast and what we end up seeing and how we're I mean, um, you know, and on some level we're what we review is is uh, depending on what's available, not necessarily what we would want to see all the time. Um, but it's so nice to just see that you can make an incredible movie with a bunch of actors and actresses that are, you know, not famous. Um, you don't have to have huge special effects. You don't have to have um, uh, just like these these incredibly expensive writers and producers. You just like want to tell a real story about real people. And you do it in such an interesting and fascinating way. The I think the first scene of this film is one of my favorite moments in that of any movie that I've seen this year. Um, uh, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to tell everyone that opening scene of this film is a ten minute one take that is 
just Jim Cummings, the character he plays, also named Jim, um, who is a police officer giving the eulogy at his mother's funeral. And it is, it, it in itself is an astounding work of art. And it just builds from there in this film. Yeah, it's it's incredible what he's able to do in that one take. Um, when you just think about like the acting and emotion and the range of different emotions that he goes through in that, from you know the laughing, <laughs> I, I was cracking up at his like how quick he was in the like you know Mama always it was like not going to work. Uh, she always wanted to. It's okay if it's not going to work. Like he's just. Uh. He's, oh my goodness. So part of his eulogy is that on his daughter's $25 little boombox, he it's wants like to play Hello Kitty boombox. Yeah, perfect. That's the perfect description. <laughs> he wants to play Thunder Road and then because his mom was a dancer, he had choreographed a dance to do during that, but then the boombox isn't working. And so then he almost like D'Angelo Vickers from the office like juggling routine. Dance does it though. And it's like this insanely awkward while he's like crying and like breaking down and it's like you're laughing so hard but you're like i shouldn't be laughing at this like this is a very sad moment yeah there's i mean just in the first 10 minutes there's like you like alternating but alternate between wanting to laugh and wanting to cry it's 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 really interesting okay so i've been trying to think about that because Part of me when I like I first got done watching this movie, I was frustrated that it wasn't more of one thing or the other. It wasn't a comedy, it wasn't a drama. Half the time I didn't know if I was supposed to laugh and then when I would laugh I'd feel bad. Like there are some parts that are like obviously comedy. There are some parts that are a very very gray area of like this is a very sad thing that they're playing as comedy. It's like it very much toe like if there is a line between comedy and drama, he is slacklining that that little <laughs> that little line. I mean, he's yeah, and it's I mean the whole movie is about like him having just this like downward spiral after his mom dies, and then his ex wife is trying to take away his daughter and custody, and he's having to deal with stresses of being a police officer and. I mean, there's so much that's going on (laughs) for such a small movie. I don't think I've ever watched something that switched so quickly between comedy and drama and what it was doing. Um, Do you think it does it effectively? I I think it does. Um, I think I think it works under. Um. I don't know that it would work if it wasn't from like with the context of someone who's who's grieving after the sudden loss of a close family member. I think that helps um normalize that kind of crazy behavior a little bit and explain it some. Um but yeah, it it really works for me. Like I enjoyed it. It was it was just so f- such a fresh and interesting way to tell a story. Like it doesn't um it's almost like the the film itself was told in a neutral way without trying to take a tone and just followed this incredibly authentic feeling character around in his experience. Okay, so that's that's pretty close to where I ultimately landed. There's parts of it that I still kind of feel awkward about. Um 
Is it too early to get into spoilers? There's one part like at no, the let's, end. Let's let's jump let's jump into spoilers. Okay, so if you haven't seen Thunder Road, it's on Netflix or not on Netflix. Sorry, it's on iTunes, Amazon Prime. It is well worth your four dollars, however much it costs to rent. Support uh, great independent cinema, please. Yes, this film was made for two hundred thousand dollars, and my mind is blown at how much they were able to get out of that. I think that's like the ultimate indie is like how much you're able to stretch a very very small budget and make it look because i mean this looks just like any it doesn't like not to say that it's just like every other hollywood comedy type it's not it's so much more but it doesn't look like it was shot on an iphone or anything like that it's right it's very well done right um okay so we get to the end of the movie he gets we see him getting pulled over why is he getting pulled over he you know, ends up getting pulled over because something happened at his wife's house. And, you know, we come to find out that she had OD'd on drugs. And I got like a very... Trevor, you've seen The Descendants, right? With George Clooney? Yeah. Yeah. I got a very like Descendants vibe of like when Clooney's talking to his wife in a coma at that moment. But then all uh-huh. of a sudden he like kisses her hand and it's like, oh, that's kind of... And then he smacks her. <laughs> and I'm like, uh-huh. What? And who am I to say, like, hey, that's a normal thing to do in that, or, like, that's not normal to do. Like, I don't, your ex-wife just OD'd after your mom passed away, like. It's like, it's like the portrait of a man with no filter. Like, like, he's, he's obviously, like, a good person who try, who's trying to be a good guy. Like, um, despite his significant mistakes at times in this film. Um, the character of of Jim is is really trying to be a good guy, but through his grief, he's like lost his filter, and we see that with what you were mentioning in, um, just kind of the the giving himself asides while he's talking, right? And um, and, and that's like, that at the very we see at the very beginning, just, we see at the very end, like that's that's yeah, throughout, yeah. yeah. It's just there's no, and when I say filter, I mean like he doesn't have a like critical thinking process before his decisions are made. It's just like, this is how I want to react. So that's how I'm going to react. Right. And, and I think that's what we see in that last scene. And I think it's something that, man, you don't see that in movies, but, it, but like it, it, you can f- like, you completely understand why the character does that. He's just like put him through hell and put him in this bad experience, bad situation trying to um take his daughter away and then she just up and goes and and basically is responsible for her own death by using drugs like come on right yeah it's it's definitely a and i i think so much of this is like it's a shot of it's not a shot of life i'm trying to think like what's a shot of life film that we've seen recently um it's not necessarily like shot of life type film where it's like not much happens, but you're just getting a window into these people's lives. Um, it's more than that, but it's like less than a narrative. It's kind of between these. I don't know. I think because it feels so real, I don't know. This is, this is one of those like films that I'm very conflicted on. I liked, like I, I got done with it. I didn't, I was about to say I walked out of it and I'm like, no, I watched it at home. Um, I got done with it and I was happy, but it was kind of this like, what did I what 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 was that? What did I see? Um did you leave the film f- 
feeling hopeful? Like, what did you like at the end of the movie? We get to this place where him and his daughter uh, go to see a ballet performance, and they're kind of fighting before going in, and then she seems to be really into the performance. Are you are you left hopeful, or is it like one of those? That's, yeah, that's what. And and this is this is why the little things make all the difference when you're telling a story visually. Showing her leaning forward in her chair. Just that little action, even if she's sitting back in her chair with a huge smile on her face, that means one thing, but her leaning forward in her chair, just completely enthralled. And all at once, you see the connections back to his mother. I think it gives closure to that story. It gives closure to the relationship between him and his daughter. Um, with kind of starting to mend that, that they're in this together. And and I, I really do. I think that that little bit, it's just kind of a, a tiny little epilogue or coda of the, the ballet. And, but it, but it, it makes the whole thing work for me. And it does, it did leave me hope. Like these are two people who are now in it together and they are, they are going to be there for each other. Right. These two characters really only have each other at this point. They're yeah. like, he doesn't, he's, his ex-wife's gone. His mom's gone. He's not super close with his siblings. I mean, her, they moved to a new area. It's just them two. So child actors can always be interesting. I mean, they're, they're really hit or miss. What did you think of Kendall Farr who played his daughter? Oh, I thought she was great. Um, I, I, fantastic. The way she played the, the patty cake kind of stuff, that whole situation was fantastic. Um, I, I thought she was really good. Do you, did you, did you ever feel like there was any part of this that was overacted? I, it's, it's one of those things where I'm always, whenever somebody directs and acts in a film, I'm always looking for, I think my biggest thing I always look for is like, okay, did one of those areas sacrifice because of that, like, was yeah. there, if he had just been able to focus on a director, would he have been better here? Or if he had been focused as an actor, would he have been better here? I think, I think there were a couple times I felt like that um, Cummings was overacting, but the, 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 the two one shots, the one at the funeral and the one in the parking lot at the police station, mm-hmm. more than make up for that for me. Yes. I think those um, are two, like, if you were to... This is one of those films that's frustrating because I wish it had a bigger audience because I really feel like you could show those two scenes to anybody and Cummings would have a best actor nod. Right. Yeah. They especially, I mean, I, I think the, the, the funeral scene is, is really interesting because it's kind of the whole movie in a nutshell. Yeah. But the police, uh, the police station scene was just as impressive. And um, the interesting thing about the police station scene is, is that I think depending on how you're viewing it, it can be either hilarious or heartbreaking. And it kind of depends on the viewer instead of the film itself. Have you ever watched like comedy that is supposed to, maybe not comedy, it, no, yeah, comedy, where they keep repeating something and it's like, starts out funny then it's not funny. Then it's kind of like, oh gosh, okay, get it over with. And then it's funny again towards the end because it's like, okay, the commitment's good. I'll give you that. Uh-huh. This yeah. was almost like that, but instead of like the annoyed part, 
like sadness. It's like, oh, it's funny. This is <laughs> okay. Okay, they're not cutting. He's still going. Oh man, okay. well, it was kind of excruciating too, wasn't yeah. it? In, in yeah. the the parking lot. Yeah. It was just like like someone stop him, like like someone help him or something, and he's just slowly backing away, undressing. <laughs> right, because you know the one guy, Nate who's had his back throughout all of this and has done anything and everything to support him. He's just pushed, like literally pushed away to the point where it's like, well, okay, you don't have anybody to rely on now. Like it's just you. And now everybody else has turned on you. Um, that relationship with Nate, I think was one of the most special parts of the movie to me because that, that just felt like such an authentic friendship that felt like their relationship of like Nate, you know, towards the end after their whole fight still comes over to his house and then calls his wife and is like, I need you to come pick me up in a couple hours. And like, she knows like, okay, they're about to just be idiots for a little bit. And it's like, sometimes you just need like that friend. That's going to be like, let's go just be dumb for four hours. I, I got a little teary-eyed when he called his wife and said, I need you to come pick me up in a couple hours. Yeah. That was that definitely got me a little That's the type of friend you need, where it's like, okay, you don't need to be an adult for the next four hours. Just yeah, he doesn't, be a he kid again. Jim didn't need someone to come in and tell him how stupid he was being. Right. That's not... He, was, he pretty clearly understood that. <laughs> and I think in that respect, like I relate to Jim a lot, because I, I, I say this all the time, um... And my wife and I have had lots of discussions on this, but it's like any time that I do something wrong personally, there is nobody who is more disappointed or frustrated about it or harder on me than me. And it's like in that respect, it's like there's nobody that's harder on Jim than Jim. Jim is the hardest. Like Jim understands his awkwardness, his frustration, how he ruins things like his self-destructive habits like he understands all of that and there is nobody that is beating him up himself up more than himself yeah he's this he's this kind of true tragic character like in the classical sense of he continually makes decisions that lead to outcomes that are the opposite of what his desires are Mm -hmm. um but they're they're so understandable through the circumstances Right. And that's why like like the like the misunderstanding with the judge, like that kind of thing. Like where the judge thinks he's threatening him, but he's just yeah. trying to be friendly and and kind of be casual and stuff and just it's just it's like it's gut wrenching at times. Yeah, to, that to scene with that the lawyer before the courtroom, that was a scene that was like really heartbreaking for me because it's like yeah. here's this guy who's just he's sold his mom's dance studio and is like so that he can pay for the best lawyer so that he can keep partial custody. And then this lady comes and she's like, all right, what are we doing here today? And it's like div- divorce, like the court hearings in like five minutes. How do you not know like what's going on? Yeah. Oh man. Um, but, but, but all the time there's, <laughs> there's just something hilarious. Like every two minutes right. in between all of this. Right. It really is a it's it's a really unique thing. I don't think I've ever seen anything I could compare this to. I don't think yeah, that's a great point is that like there's nothing that blends these two this well. I feel like normally we're walking out of a movie like this going 
okay, pick one or the other. And like, I, there were parts where I was frustrated that it wasn't one or the other, but I think as I sit here and talk about it, it's kind of, that's life. Like I make super awkward jokes at times like that. And it's like, okay, not the right time, not the right time, not the right time. And it's like, that's just life. Like, man, that really is how things go. And they do a great job of capturing that. That's one of the great things that independent cinema can do is we can just have someone say, well, we don't have a studio executive saying, well, what is this? Is it a rom-com? Is it a family drama? And Jim Cummings is like, no, it's a, it's a story about people. Like that's, that's what it is. It doesn't have a genre. Just like this authentic story about just realistic people that we see at their best and their worst sometimes at the exact same time. Right. Uh, And I think in that respect, the film being like every scene is pretty much just a one shot. I think that's incredibly effective in this format where it's like just Jim as an actor almost feels like he needs to like work himself up in the moment like if there weren't if there were cuts and it's like all right let's switch to uh mid shot uh right side all right let's uh do this over here he wouldn't like himself as an actor we wouldn't get that same performance and i think that's yeah. what makes that so incredible he would almost be like like when i think about the the parking lot breakdown scene which is just like yeah. the complete destruction of a man um like if you do that in multiple shots and edit them together, he's going to come across um, too put together. It's just right. not like he's going to take He's They're going to shoot something. He's going to take a second, whether he's intending it to or not. And I think maybe, you know, there are some, some of the actors who are the greats can pull things like this off. But I think if you're not one of those, it's going to look like, you know, like, you pulled yourself together. Now you're still being emotional, still being emotional, but it's not this, just excruciatingly slow downward spiral. Right. You're not getting that like, like we talked about earlier where it's like the drama and the comedy of like, Oh, they're holding this. Okay. It's still going. It's still going. It's still go. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's, you don't get that if it's cut up. Right. It's the same thing that we talked about with Roma and that's what makes some of those scenes in Roma so great. Yeah. Is that, um, nothing to the extent of there was nothing in thunder road to the extent of the the hospital birth scene in roma right. but just that that same kind of feeling where it's just like um this is real life like we're not going to cut away from this because this is this right. is the real stuff that we need that you need to see to understand the story that's being told right you've got to get through this you don't there's no easy way out of like all right let's just cut he's embarrassed he's naked in a police parking lot he's in front of all of his peers and his best friend i mean it's like nope we got to get through this you got to get to the other side what did you think uh, we almost kind of t- i was going to bring it up a, a minute ago but we went off what did you think about him him uh breaking his truck window open at the end to, to i mean that's the most thinking back on it it's like that's the most like unhinged thing you can do it's like right. in that moment, you know, like I think because he's been through so much garbage, like he's lost at that point, he's lost his mom. He doesn't have custody of his daughter. 
he's been kicked out of the police force. He just had gone to see his sister and that didn't like go as he planned. And it's like, at that point you're like any news you just assume is bad news. So then you start freaking out and your mind starts racing of like, did my, is my, is my daughter hurt? It's not like, what's what, like, what's going on? Like, I think the buildup to that is what makes that effective. Yeah. Of like, and, and also we have that same thing you were talking about where, he he does it and you're like oh my gosh he's going crazy and then it takes a few tries so you kind of chuckle for a second right. it almost and like then, bounces off of there it's like well yeah. that's that's not how the movies normally do it normally it's like <laughs> you know you get Tyrese he wraps a shirt around his hand and too fast too furious and he just punches right. straight through it it's like no this guy's got a stick a wand whatever they're called the police wand baton, baton and that doesn't even break it <laughs> Oh, oh man. That's but, but just... then I think I think that where you were kind of how you said where that's kind of the most unhinged. Yeah. He he immediately reaches the moment where I think he starts to improve because his circumstances are such that you know he finds out his his wife ex wife is dead. He's got custody of the kid, and and then now it's time to move forward. Like like the it's almost like. Like whether he wanted to or not, like his time for grieving the way that he was is over. Right. And it's one, I think at the same time, this is going to sound bad, but it's losing everything like that is almost freeing then of like, I literally like at that point, he's like, he literally has nothing. Like he has no ties to anybody. He has no, he has nothing. And so it's almost this, like, I think probably for the first time in a while, he feels free he's like i have my yeah. daughter let's yeah, just go was talking about it at the beginning with the song like they can they can do what the song says they can pack up all their stuff and go wherever they want and as jeff goldblum says it life finds a way Life finds a way um i mean that's all i have do you have any other thoughts on this I mean, before I, I don't know this i it was just it was wonderful the and the more i think about it the more i talk about it the more impressed i am with it um, it's just a really interesting, fresh, unique thing that, you know, was all shot in just within Austin, Texas for $200,000. I don't know how, I mean, they maybe took two weeks to shoot it, I would guess. Yeah. If that, and it's just, um, reminder as, as we talk about, as we joked about, um, Avengers Endgame and it's multi hundred million dollar budget at the beginning that, you know, you, you don't need all of that to tell a good story. You just, just, I mean, it, it's all about things that are authentic and real. And that's what resonates with people. Right. And you feel that passion throughout the entire film. And that's ultimately where I landed of like, you just know that this guy understands human emotion. Like he just gets at least like where this character is, he is fully, and I don't know his backstory. I don't know if like this actually happened to him. So it's easier for her to him to get to this place. But it's like, I have a feeling Jim Cummings fully understands everything about Jim Arnold. 100%. And I think that's a beautiful thing to watch of just a guy just exploring that character. All right, let's get to our final thoughts and ratings for Thunder Road. Um, yeah, like I said, wonderful film. Um, really great. I highly recommend it. Um, 
especially for the for the one shots one takes we love one takes more one takes please from everyone everywhere um this is um four boombox batteries out of four boombox batteries for me wow yeah that's that's a, that's a, that's a 100% if i'm doing my math right that's right that's right Oof. um this is man when i i put this on my letterbox earlier today i think i gave it a b plus and i felt pretty solid about that but now that like i'm sitting here i'm like i think this is an a like i think that they he just hit it out of the park I don't think I think Trevor you're right you said it best when it's like I don't think I've ever seen anything like this and ultimately at the end I'm like I felt hopeful there was a redemption there was you know you go on this full journey with this character and it's it's beautiful and authentic and this is an A you know what I'm gonna say it this is an A I would not be surprised if next week this ends up on my top 10 same and the next film that we're about to talk about, I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up on my top 10 as well. Uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor, the Fred Rogers documentary about the the man, the myth, the legend, and I'm going to go ahead and get it out of there. Last week, I put Fred Rogers on pending for honorable mentions. <laughs> um, I just want to say this right now. I feel like a real big idiot. Um, for doing okay, that we knew that you hadn't seen it yet we talked about that so it's fine i want to say this i think where i got hung up was on the fact that fred rogers has passed away he's our first deceased honorable mensch and i i don't feel like the title honorable mensch does justice to who this man is and i think that's part of the other thing is like guys like him or um because then my mind started going you know who else would be in that category of deceased people who ultimately just changed everything you know walt disney would be in there i'd put him in this category as well and then i start thinking you know who what, what are these people what are they to us as far as are they and I, I just I don't and I don't have an answer for this, but I, I feel like we need to think of something the honored, the mensch the ultimate menches. Uh I don't I don't know. I feel like there needs to be a uh, there there's definitely there's a there's there's this is level of transcendence yeah. there. I, I think um I think of like Meryl Streep that category not quite on the same kind of impact um but as far as just like these geniuses who who do things a different way i think of like steve jobs yeah like uh why can't gene kelly yeah just these i think and i think fred rogers i i know i talked about um talked about prince and like david bowie in this way and i don't i think they're on this genius level of they don't just like don't see the world the same way that most people do and i think that um fred rogers is one of those people yeah i think he just didn't i think when that we he and i could have been looking at the exact same thing and he saw something completely different than i and i 
so much of that is just he he loved kids and understood what they needed and wasn't afraid to go to certain places with kids. Like some of the subjects that he would talk about on his show, you know, they get into the fact that after Robert Kennedy or John F. Kennedy was assassinated, he did did a whole week on like assassination and grief. And it's like, Whoa, that's a mature subject that I don't think my kids should be watching. But it's like the way he handles it is like, no, no, no. We need to talk about this with kids and why, like, why not now? And it's, what was the one, the, um, the little kid who like, oh, I can't remember what it, what, how it goes, but there's a little kid at the beginning of the film who talks about, who asks him a question and he, I don't remember what the question is. This is really bothering me. This is why I need to take notes as I watch things. Um, he looks at it and like, he has an instant answer for this kid and i'm like i would have never have thought to have given that answer but he gives that answer and then all of a sudden all the other kids like start asking him these super deep questions and it's it's because it was fred rogers just loving kids yeah he was oh my gosh this this the, i mean well there's kind of well there's two things going here one fred rogers the man was astounding and two the way that this um, documentary tells its story and kind of dives into that to show you um, was also really impressive. Yeah. Just, just so much, I don't even know what else to say about, about this. Um, like just the idea that, you know, he had been making the show for several years and he thought that he had made enough. They had like 400 episodes and he was like, all right, that's enough. Um, we can syndicate them, all that kind of stuff. And then like just a few months later, he was like, no, actually we have a whole lot of other stuff that we need to talk about. Right. Um, and then he kept doing it for 20 more years. It's just like mind blowing. Yeah. Mind blowing. I, did you ever, did you look, do you, is there a way to stream the, the back episodes of that? Is that available somewhere? I don't know. I meant to look that up. Mr. Rogers, the show is called Mr. Rogers neighborhood. I wonder if like PBS has has it or something. Um, there's something on PBS neighbor. Watch Mr. Rogers anytime. We're pleased to present 26 full length classic episodes. So PBS online has episodes online. Um, I don't know on Amazon. You can, Oh, it's on Amazon prime. Okay. There are okay. seven seasons on there. The first season has 15 episodes. There's also all of Daniel Tiger, which is the new animated version that takes right. inspiration from it. Things that really astounded me was that he let anything get in the way of what his mission was. Right. Um, He was a pastor, Presbyterian, I believe. He never mentioned his faith on his show, and he specifically said that it was not because he wanted to hide that from anyone, but he never wanted anyone, parent or kid, to feel like they weren't included in his neighborhood. Right. And just like to have to have that kind of opinion and when he's making the show is 
and to do that very specifically, very intentionally is really impressive. Just, I, I, I don't know. It was, it's just like astounding. Just the way that he, like you said, the way that he knew how to communicate with kids. And it's like, he, he just never forgot it immediately transition in his brain to think about like, how does a seven-year-old see this, feel about this, interact with this and how can I best meet that need? Right. He, I think that he loved kids in such a deep way that other people don't understand. Like, and not to say like, trust me, nobody loves my son more than me. Um, but it's one of those things where I think that he loved all kids unconditionally. I think it's easy to say, like, I love my own kid. Um, but it's another thing to love kids that you don't know. And they even bring this up of, like, you know, kids that were trouble kids. He would still treat them the exact same way. And I think that comes from a place of like him just going like, I am going to love you as best as I can, regardless of who you are, regardless of your interest, regardless of anything. I am going to love you because that's, that's what I believe my calling in life is, is to just love people. And that's such a, like, I think that's so simple of like, well, yeah, you just love people, but it's another thing to like, see it. And have somebody so passionately pursue yeah, and it. To, and to continuously show it and show how to do it over and over again. Like the fact that he ended his shows every single day telling people like, I love you. I like you for who you are. And it's like, I never even thought about like, that's like, y- you don't know who's, who's not hearing that. Like maybe that's all that that, that's the only time that a kid hears that every day. And so it's like they're hearing every single day, I like you and I love you for who you are. And, uh, once again, simple, but so it effective. Was, and it worked because everything else that he did supported him saying that. Like it wasn't just like. It's not like he was like, let's do pies in the face like he talks about. And then he's like, right, hey, by the way, right. I like you. I love you. See you later. Like, let's talk to these people about what they're doing. Also, this guy like invented how it's made, like the, the TV show, pretty much. He'd be like, today we're going to go right. to the crayon factory and see how crayons right. are made. It's just like, like, I remember watching that kind of stuff as like a six-year-old, and I yeah. thought that was the coolest thing ever. I don't remember. And that, I... I don't rem- I know I watched Mr. Rogers Neighborhood, but I don't have like distinct memories of it. And so I think I think watching this back just made me have so much respect for him because I don't know if it was like public perception or what, but I was kind of always like, oh, it's a kind of like a cheesy kids show that like is targeted towards 5-year-olds. But it was so much more than that, and he he was so much more than that. And I think that does a disservice to, like, to say that this was a kid show does a disservice to, like, yeah, what his it, mission was overall. I, I'm kind of the same way. I, I know I watched it. I remember that I watched it. I don't remember a lot of specific things from it. But I do remember, even as a kind of punk middle schooler, hearing that he died, being like, oh, yeah, like, I, I had such positive uh, 
memories associated with him. Um, just like hearing like, oh, like, like the world, like even as a 13 year old, I remember realizing like the world lost like a great person. But yeah, I mean, so, so there was definitely an impact and there's always been. I think the way this is told is really interesting. I think I thought hearing from his wife was really interesting how she was just as astounded by him as everyone else was mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. And that's something I want to talk about because I feel like, and I looked up because I, I was curious. I, I kind of sat back and I'm like, are there people that don't like this? Are there people that are like, Oh my gosh, that movie is terrible. And there are, there are people that don't like this. And a lot of the frustrations come from the fact that they feel like the film kind of copped out and didn't ask any, didn't like get into like, what was it like being Mr. Rogers son? Like what, how was he like, you have two of his sons who interestingly enough, look very different. Look Uh like they've had very different, just based on like their how they carry themselves, how they talk, look like they've had two very different lives. Like I would love to, and I mean that that's like if I have one complaint about this movie, it's like I would love to know a little bit more of like what was he like as a dad, like how like how do you how did it play out? And they get into a little a little bit with like you could tell that when he had a really hard thing that he wanted to talk about, he would do this voice. Um. But I'm I, I'm curious of like, and obviously his son seemed very fond of him. Um, but I just would love to have like more of like a deeper dig, not like dig as in like a diss on him, but like a deeper dive into who like he was outside of this. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's maybe uh maybe uh another story for another day that would that would be interesting. But I think this is. I'll be curious to see if the Tom Hanks uh, feature film gets into that at all. What did you think? I mean, so there's this talks a lot about Fred Rogers as, um, I don't know if like humanitarian or activist is the right word, but obviously, you know, him being in the pool with the mailman who at the time it was a controversial thing for a black man and a white man to be in the same pool. Um, And he like the way that he did these, these like, um, really. Oh, not mailman officer Clemens. Sorry. I don't know why I said that. Yeah. The police officer. Yep. There. Yes. The the mailman was named McFeely. Is that right? I think so. Yes. Or Clemens. The, the way that, that they, that Mr. Rogers devised the really subtly subversive things was incredibly clever. Just like the, right. the, like you said, the pool thing, the message that he was sending early seventies. Which I think like watching back like those clips, it's totally a thing that if you watch as a parent, you're like, wow, that's powerful. But if you're a kid, it sends an incredible message of like, that's the normal. Right. And like that shouldn't be anything right. weird. Like a kid is like, oh yeah, it's his friend. He's cooling off with his feet. Like it doesn't mean anything. That's, there's nothing right. else to it. Yeah. It's. And I think that's so much more powerful than being like, we are friends. This is how it, it's just like, nope, business as usual. Hey, you want to cool your feet off? It's a hot day outside. Yeah, let me cool my feet off. Wow, this is awesome. It's like, it's not, 
hokey or corny or like wink at the camera. It's like, hey, this is just how things should be. Covered a lot of stuff with um, disability as well. That was a pretty common common issue that he discussed. Um, there were frequently children with disabilities on his show. Um, he always, um, this was something I didn't know until after watching the movie, always um, said out loud that he was feeding the fish. That's because a blind girl wrote him a letter and um or a girl maybe a girl with a visual impairment of some kind wrote him a letter and um and and asked to and asked to know when he was feeding the fish so he always he always mentioned out loud that he was feeding goodness things like that and that's something that like you look at that and you're like, oh, that's, yeah, well, why wouldn't he do that? That's easy. But to that little girl, that probably meant the world. And maybe, like, nobody else ever thought of that. Maybe nobody else that ever watched the show was like, hey, that's cool that he says that. As he, But for that, like, he was doing that to be like, I see you and I hear you. And that, like, t- little things like that of, like, he could easily have disregarded that and been like, that's one person who cares, but it's like, no, that's going to mean the world to her. And that's, that's such a powerful thing. See, this is a documentary that I put in the same category as like life animated life animated is a documentary about, um, Owen, a kid who, when he was three, just kind of stopped speaking. They took him to doctors, found out that he was autistic. And then, kind of retaught himself how to speak and how to relate to people through Disney movies. And I think that shows the power of, you know, what Walt Disney was doing. And I think this is in the same shows the power of the visual medium. I think this shows like how much movies, TV, things like that connect us and how much they can change us. And like Fred Rogers, like, not to be like pretentious, but like he he held that in such a high regard and used it so well. Yeah, there's this awesome quote I I found earlier. Um, in an interview with CNN, he said, "I went into television because I hated it so, and I thought there's some way of using this fabulous instrument to nurture those who would watch and listen." Wow. Wow. Taking like thinking about things that way, like this thing is awful, but it could be so great, and that's why I want to do this. Whereas it's so easy for us to say this thing is awful, let's ignore it and stay away from it. Yeah. Another thing that really struck me about him, kind of along these same lines of what we've been, those clips of him testifying before Congress, and just he's like the most. He was like the exact same demeanor that he was on his show. It was right. it was like striking to me. Like he was very calm, patient. He like recited the words of one of his songs, and just like like all of that was. It was just it was unlike any any recording I've seen of a congressional hearing before. Right, that's something like you see in a movie, but like never happens. Like you know, guy goes into or people go into a room trying to 
testify about this and person after person and the mean man up on the bench is just well let's get this over with oh that's nothing and then like one person at the end just hopefully walks in and just by being kind and showing the importance of what he's doing wins the cold heart i mean it's like the grinch it's like his heart grew three like sizes you could right maybe there like make a whole movie off of that just like that whole deal with with him right. giving his testimony and and the congressman being like oh well you've you've actually won me over <laughs> you you right. did this i guess you got your funding yeah i feel like there was multiple uh events from this documentary that i was like i would watch a movie an hour and a half movie on that single thing this film takes a really i don't i i'd have to watch it again honestly to tell you truly kind of what the structure is and how it's organized because it felt like it just all flowed so well i I never felt like it was is this our first documentary that we've reviewed i think so actually okay it is and I think what separates, I mean, I mean, a good, a good documentary to me is something that's interesting and important. A great documentary is something that has this incredible, just kind of flow and smoothness to it, where you're just immersed in whatever the subject matter. I think that's what this does. Right. Yeah, and I think that at the end of this. Two things happen. One, you go, wow, that was 90 minutes. That felt way shorter. And two, you go, why isn't this a 10-part Netflix series? I will watch, I would watch hours of this. Yeah, I, I just want Mr. Rogers to tell me what to do. Right. <laughs> I need to have like a Google search of Mr. Rogers and be like, I'm feeling stressed. And then a clip pops up and it's like, well, here's how you deal with stress. <laughs> Right? Oh my god. Life would be life would be a little bit more uh beautiful day ish. I think I mean I think the easy Mr. Rogers answer is to if you're if you have any kind of negative feelings or thoughts at all, like sit down, take a second and do something positive. Like mm-hmm. that's and I think especially I feel like we march forward in time the the pacing on children's television shows just gets faster and louder. Right. This show is so slow and quiet. Methodical. They did the same things every week. They always always went to make believe land. Just just shows that things in so many ways, this this and on so many levels, Mister Rogers showed that things don't have to be the way that they are. Yeah, this is as far as documentary goes go. This is probably my favorite documentary of the year. Um, I haven't seen Free Solo, uh, the Alex Honnold story about him free climbing uh, El Capitan. And, uh, but I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't picture anything making me feel more positive about the power of like, uh, I hope it's known, but it's like, obviously we love movies like very passionately because we do this podcast. That's 
why we're here. But it's like nothing made me more sure of the importance of movies and the importance of that in people's lives as this did. I had that feeling of like ultimate hope of like there can be so much good done with movies. It's the same feeling as when I walked out of Life Animated. It was like movies are so much more important than we realize. And it's not a bad thing that's like ruining people's brains. No, that's the bad form of this. That's the when people take this and twist it into their own thing instead of just making it what it should be and what it needs to be. I I think Fred Rogers is an amazing man. He's a mensch. Fred Rogers is amazing. I think that Morgan Neville did a great job putting together this documentary. I think it's um, really interesting, really engrossing. Um, highly recommend. As far as my rating, the whole the whole neighborhood. I give it the whole neighborhood. You give it the whole neighborhood. Every single one of them. Um, yeah, it's an A. A plus for me. Once again, very rarely give out A pluses on the first time viewing, but I went ahead and bought this because I was just so in love with it that I was like, I'm going to want to watch this multiple times and it's, it's well worth it. It's on iTunes or Amazon. I think I ended up buying it for like 12 bucks. That's well worth it. And the rental was like five bucks anyway. So all you got to do is watch it two and a half times. Alrighty, well, that's all we have for our reviews this week. Let's go ahead and get to our content of the week. Trevor, what is your content of the week? Um, all right, so here's what you do. You go to Vimeo.com and you just type in Jim Cummings. And all of his short films are on there, or at least uh, most of them. Um, the um, Thunder Road was based on a short film. It was originally a short film that was just the the one shot we've talked about um, from the film. Oh, beginning. yeah. I wanted to... Have you watched that? Um, yeah, it's a little bit different. I don't think it's. I think he. I think he did it better for the feature, which makes sense. But um, it's still okay. great. Um, he also has um, another one that is great called Parent Teacher. It shows the stresses of a teacher um, through the lens of a parent teacher night when their room is full of parents. And Yikes. as someone who has been a teacher, it resonated with me on so many levels. Um, so especially parent teacher, but all of Jim coming short films, I hope that people keep giving this guy enough money to make movies because he's doing different, interesting things. Right. Jim, don't go direct a Marvel movie. Just keep doing things like this. Take a million dollars up the budget, but keep just making things like this. Take your time. I'm fine waiting four or five years. Keep doing stuff like this. Um, my recon was that all yeah that's it are you okay sorry um i've been trying to catch up on 2018 films before our top 10 episode next week and so one of the movies that i watched i watched two movies this weekend that um are very interesting one is called mid 90s it's jonah hill's directorial debut about a kid skateboarding um very interesting uh it's very much a shot of life that's the film i was trying to think of Mid-90s is very much a shot-of-life type film. Um, Just about a kid learning to skate, the excitement of that. Um, And then the other film that I watched is Spike Lee's Black Klansman, which is insane. (laughs) 
I don't know how else to describe it without like just talking about the entire movie. It's mind blowing. Well worth it. Well worth your time. It's also John David Washington, son of Denzel Washington, deserves every role. He deserves all the nominations. He is incredible in this movie. And it's one of those things where like if I close my eyes and listen, he sounds just like his dad. And is mind blowing. So, um, also probably one of the bleakest endings of a movie I've ever seen. So, be ready for that. Uh, that's all we have for this week's episode. We will be back next week to do our top 10 films of 2018. We'll also be talking our bottom films from the past year, what films we disliked. Um, but we'll be going through each of our, our top 10. disappointing film, too. I like that. That one locked and loaded. Because there are definitely films. Predator? Predator? No, that was disappointing, but not the most disappointing. Oh, okay. All right, that's fair. Um, If you've enjoyed listening to us, you can go find us on iTunes or Spotify. We're on both. You can find all of our episodes on both. Subscribe, rate, review, follow us, whatever you do on either platform. Do that so you don't miss an episode. Um, The other thing that'd be great is if you shared us with your friends and family. Said, hey, you like movies, I like movies listen to this podcast they talk a lot about movies uh if you want to know more about us you can find us on our website at popcornoptional.com. best place to interact with us would be on twitter at popcornoptional. my name is cameron Slanina. you can find me on twitter at 321 Time or on letterboxd a movie app at c Slanina. trevor where can we find you online i'm on twitter instagram and letterboxd all turbo trevor jake is at jakebrown.tv on all of the social medias i think he's on letterboxes jakebrown.tv i'm not sure um yeah that's all we have until next time we hope you have a great week watch the movies and in the words of truman burbank if i don't see you good afternoon good evening and good night i'll be good